I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Still worried about that polar vortex time. Football gone for a while now time. That's okay because Saturday night made it look like Tennessee basketball might not be done time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a actually a pleasant Monday afternoon, late Monday afternoon, here in the beautiful mountain town of Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything was good over the weekend. I know it was uh, Super Bowl weekend. It still smells a little bit like a tequila distillery up here at Fort Rucker, but uh, but that's okay. We move on. Wasn't the most pleasant Super Bowl to watch, but um, things before that on Saturday night, at least for Tennessee fans, were good. Got a lot of Tennessee basketball to talk about on this episode. And to do that, we're going to go down to the Blunt County Satellite Office of GoVoss 24-7 down in Merville. And welcome Grant Ramey to the show. Grant, what's up, man? Just another classic week of Tennessee basketball. Know what you're going to get. Every time out, exactly consistent, right down the line. Everybody plays their role. It's just another week, another week in the life. Yeah, I think last week I, I titled the the podcast something like a Rock Chalk Blowout. Vols are back, like with a with a period. Not not an exclamation mark, but but like a period, like Vols are back. And uh, then the Ole Miss disaster happened, and uh, that was uh, really rough. And then the first 30 minutes of the Kentucky game, or first 28 minutes, were particularly uh, but then Tennessee comes back, storms back, uh, despite getting zero points from John Fulkerson. Gets an 82-71 to 71 win at Rupp Arena. Got plenty to break down about that. But I think, Grant, I might, we might have to t- title this episode, Vols are back? Like with Ron Burgundy and a question mark? I don't, I don't know. It just seems like, eh, maybe back, maybe okay. Yeah, or maybe these Vols are here because – what they saw, what what everybody saw in the final 12 minutes, I guess maybe more of the second half in general at Kentucky was kind of that light bulb moment that people have been waiting on where Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer kind of take over and, and they realized it's a lot easier to get to the rim and finish above the rim or finish through contact than it might be to shoot that 15 to 17 foot mid-range jump shot. And I mean, it took it took John Fulkerson and everybody else in the world being in foul trouble uh, before those guys took over, but maybe that's that kind of aha moment where it clicks. And, and now the question is, are those the guys that you're going to get consistently from here on out, kind of down the stretch run of the regular season into the SEC tournament into March? Because if they're running in transition and, and trying to score easy buckets the way they were at Kentucky, the way, we had talked about them not doing it at Ole Miss and not doing it against Kansas. They didn't have any transition points the last two games before they had 10 
at Kentucky, they scored 44 in the paint. I mean, those two guys alone scored 50 points after the team scored 50 points at Ole Miss. They, they outscored Kentucky on their own in the second half, 31 to 29. I mean, and they didn't shoot a bunch of threes to do it. They got where they needed to go on the court and they scored it. Now the question is, will they keep doing that? Yeah, I think, you know, you talk about sort of necessity being the mother of invention and, you know, sometimes that that's why I asked Barnes after the game, like sometimes do you just kind of have to need something sometimes before you get it? And, you know, life is not about, you know, getting what we want when we want. You know, sometimes we, we, we don't get what we want when we want. Sometimes we don't get what we want when we need. Sometimes things just happen when they happen. And, and we have to accept that and deal with that. Uh, and, and you got to wonder now, um, was that a sea change in terms of the way Tennessee's going to play? And Rick Barnes was, had a lot of pushback on this Monday. I mean, several of us asked him, during a you know just a couple hours ago uh, when we spoke with him via Zoom, welcome to 2020 and 21. Um, but we asked him point blank. Several of us did. You know, is this going to change the way y'all play the game now? Uh, is this now sort of the um, the the Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer offense? And and Barnes offered some some pretty stiff pushback to that, saying no. That you know, listen, what what happened uh, at Rupp was what we've been trying to get these guys to do for weeks. But it's not like all of a sudden everything went from having to go through Fulkerson all the time to now everything has to go through these two guys. It, it seems like he wants the strength and numbers thing to still be the case. He, he wants to make Tennessee, and this is just my opinion from the outside looking in, he wants to make Tennessee be as difficult to scout as anybody. Because, I mean, you look at it right now, they've got four guys averaging between, what, 10.5 and 10.1 points a game. Uh, you know, they've got some guys who have – 25 30 point games and then they'll go scoreless and it, it seems to me like he, he he buys so much into that whole strength and numbers team with this squad but he, he's not gonna just completely like toss these vets to the side now and and I don't I think that's probably the right thing to do but he did offer some some stiff pushback to that yeah and I think he's right there I mean you're gonna need John Fulkerson at some point down the stretch in the postseason you're gonna need Eve Pons to continue to do what Eve Pons has been doing lately uh, he didn't have as obviously a productive as night at, at Kentucky, but he hit some big shots there. Uh, you're going to need Josiah to be your leading rebounder and, and one of your more consistent scorers and a guy that knocks down the three-point shot the way he has uh, the last few games. You're also going to need Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson to be a version of the guys they were at Kentucky. They're not going to score 27 and 23 every night, obviously. Um, I would be surprised if they you know, had a good game Wednesday based on the track record of this team that goes up and down and up and down. Uh, and that's kind of – they haven't strung a lot of good games together, at least not since the non-conference when the, the opponents were uh, – it was a little bit of an easier schedule. But you're, you're going to need a little bit of everybody. I can see why he's doing that. Uh, but at the same time, you have to emphasize this offense is best when it's scoring in transition and executing in the half court when it has to. When it when it focuses solely on the half court like it did at Ole Miss, uh, it doesn't work. And for whatever reason, Tennessee plays well against Kentucky. They kind of have – uh, a number in that rivalry lately with the success they've had at Rupp Arena and overall. So you kind of you need to channel that, whatever success you had there, and carry it over to Georgia Wednesday at LSU Saturday, a place they haven't had success in a while, a tough opponent. Uh, you're, whatever you take at Kentucky, whatever you found, you're going to have to take it later in the year, and you're going to have to do a little bit of everybody. Yeah, I think, you know, there were a lot of big, big moments in that Kentucky game. So it, it's tough to say sort of what's – is there sort of one signature moment? But for me, there there kind of was. 
on that play where where Keon Johnson uh, races down the court and gets like a you know kind of a a chase down blocked three pointer and he really just kind of swats that thing rises pretty impressively swats it with his left hand uh, the ball goes to Vescovi who then fires probably about a 70 75 foot baseball pass right in stride to Jaden Springer who lays it in on the other end and you know that's the kind of thing where you talk about defense creating offense th- that's that's what you have to do because you know and you've seen this throughout basketball for a long time now you know, guys are getting, you know, bigger. You know, you you talk about how there's not as many seven-footers, and, and that's true. There aren't. Um, but the guards are just a hell of a lot bigger than they used to be. I mean, you still see some 5'10", 5'9", 5'8", guys here and there. But in general, I mean, Tennessee's shortest starter is what, like 6'3"? I mean, most teams are right. somewhere around that area. And the the court has not gotten bigger. So you've got the goal, it's still 10 feet, whatever, 94 feet, you know, half court being 47 feet. I mean, it's these guys are bigger and wider and have bigger wingspans, and it's just so much harder to score in half court. Now, thankfully, offensive skill is getting better and better, and there's more and more range, and we're seeing a beautiful brand of basketball throughout the game in a lot of areas. You know, purists don't love it, but, you know, it's just the way the game's played now. My point with all this is once teams are allowed to get set in half court, it becomes a lot harder to score, especially as you get into league play. These guys know you. Uh, if the players don't know the other players, you know, by God, the coaches know the other coaches, and they can prepare their guys, and they know, guys, these are the ten things Tennessee wants to do offensively. And if we can bog you down in half court, we're going to make you work and work and work. But when you throw that baseball pass down court and you get a layup before they can get set, that's easy basketball. And that's why, despite Tennessee scoring 80 points against Kansas, that lack of you know, having zero fast break points to me was a huge concern. Because, And I know different people score that differently, Grant, but you, just, you have to get down the court and score before these guys get ready in this era because it's just so much harder when teams get locked down. Yeah, Rob Doster made a really good point on this podcast last week when he said, you know, Tennessee's had 16 games or whatever it was to that point, and they're starting to get scouted. They were a pretty new team. Uh, They returned a lot of production from last season, obviously, uh, but with Jaden Springer, with Keon Johnson, with Victor Bailey, with EJ Anasicki, there are a lot of different pieces they were mixing in, and you're going to have to try to figure out who this team is uh, and how they want to play ball. Once you get 16 games on tape, you, you get figured out a lot, and these SEC teams are pretty familiar with those guys that are returning. So, yeah, you're going to slow down. You're going to bog down a little bit as people, as opponents adjust. And like Rob said, then it's your turn to adjust again. Um, the adjustment, the biggest adjustment, the easiest adjustment is that touchdown pass that Vescovi threw to Springer or, or Keon pushing the ball up the middle of the court, up the pipe, as, as Rick Barnes and, yeah. and Des Oliver and all those guys say over and over. Just push it up the floor. It's so much harder to stop. It doesn't matter how much film you've seen of a team. It's hard to stop in transition when you have the athletic ability of a Keon Johnson or a, a Jaden Springer or Victor Bailey uh, or jo- Josiah James, Eve Ponds, all those guys, the athletes that you have running the floor. And Rick's right. He wants to run the floor. He always does because he always talks about it. They want to go yeah. fast. They want that guy. I mean, going back to Jordan Bone, that's what they wanted to do is, is run 94 feet uh, as much as they could because it's so much easier to score in transition and attacking the rim than it is in a uh, half-court setup, bring the ball out, you know, uh, make cuts, see what's open, what's there. If it doesn't work, cycle back through. I mean, shot clock's ticking the whole time. 
and you're trying to get your best look. And, and also, I think in transition, they avoid something where they Tennessee's kind of gotten in trouble with the extra pass. It's it's good to try to find the great shot over the good shot, but sometimes you have that extra pass that gets you in trouble. And I think we've seen that from Tennessee, and it eliminates the, the possibility of turnovers there in the backcourt when guards are getting pressured. I mean, that's that's been the biggest problem for Tennessee. Uh, before Kentucky was those guards getting pressured, turning the ball over, that leading to easy points on the other end for Ole Miss, for Kansas. You know, you go down the list, Florida, the number of turnovers Tennessee had against those teams and the number of points they scored off those teams. I mean, it goes hand in hand. It complements each other. Like Rick Barnes says, your defense, uh, your offense can't create other points for the uh, other team. So I think if you're running as much as you can, it eliminates a lot of the stuff that gets Tennessee in trouble. Yeah, I think Tennessee just in that one game went from around 305 or so nationally to 270 nationally in tempo just in that one game. Uh, and I can tell you this, I think it's a misnomer when, when people say that, that Rick Barnes kind of wants to play a deliberate tempo. I, I There is nothing that I've learned about Rick Barnes in the past, whatever, five, six years that makes me think he wants to play at around 300th nationally in tempo. I don't think he wants that at all. I, I think he wants to push it. Now, I think he... He, he does believe in that whole, you know, the Bruce Pearl used to call it early or late, where you either get a really good shot early or you make the other team work defensively for a while. I think there's – I think that makes sense. There's a lot of reasons at the college level especially why you do that because over the course of a 30-second shot clock, at least somebody's going to break down at some point. At least one guy is, and you can make a play. But, you know, I, I don't think he wants to, to the team to play as slowly as they have. I just think they've – They've sort of done that. I think they've been trying to figure out whose role is whose. Uh, I think there are guys who sometimes get hesitant to shoot the ball on this team because the you know the, that whole it's not about me thing. I mean, they take it to the extreme, and I think they uh, you know sometimes want to make one or two many cute passes. I mean, we've seen Josiah uh, Jordan James do this. Uh, we've seen Eve Pons do this. Where it's you know Keon Johnson, where it's like, bro, you're open, shoot the ball. Um, but I think before we go to break, Grant, I, I think it's it's. It's so, it's frustrating in one hand because it's sort of been a joke for the past whatever 10, 15 years that the mid range jumper is just sort of slowly you know dying in the call you know at all levels of basketball. Uh, it's not at Tennessee. They, they you know going back to Josh Richardson you know and McCray and those guys uh, you know you, you've seen these Tennessee guards who just who can shoot that ball, who who can get to that mid-range and shoot. Josiah Jordan James does it now. Eve Pons does it now. Fulkerson does it. Tennessee teaches that high-release jumper, and they, they do it as well as anybody. But I think there's a way that, you know, there seems like Alabama who do, like, you, you shoot a three or a layup. You know, rim or three, rim or three, rim or three. And I don't think you have to be that extreme, but there are times against Ole Miss, the first half of the Kentucky game, where it's just like, guys, that's not like your go-to shot. That's like if things bog down, somebody can get a mid-range jumper somewhere. It's not like that's what you want to do. It's like, you know, you can do that. I just – getting to the rim is just something this team had to do better. And what they attempt, like three layups or something? What game was it, Grant? Was it Kansas or Ole Miss? What game was it? Uh, I think it was Ole Miss two or three, and they missed all of them. Yeah, I mean, just not a layup made in the entire game. And While they were going five for 20 in the second half and missing 13 of their final 14 shots. Yeah, and just taking mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper. And at times, you just have to be like, you know, you don't have to do it like Bama does it, but guys, look at the metrics, right? I mean, Rick Barnes loves stats. Look at the metrics. I mean, that, that mid-range 
I'm cool with free throwing in because I think they got a lot of guys who can make that shot just because of they can get above their opponents and, and get a good yeah. look at the rim. That between the free throw and the three point line, I think it's an especially frustrating area uh, because of that's just a low percentage shot that you can get so much better. That's the that's the break glass in case of emergency. Take this shot as the shot clock's winding down, or yeah. if you're just in really good. Um, I don't know, offensive execution, and you can step into that shot and, and make it a high percentage shot, so be it. But the way – I mean, Jaden Springer hits a step-back three against Kentucky to go up 32-30. I think it was about six and a half minutes left, uh, or seven and a half. I can't remember how, how much time was left on the clock in the first half. I think Tennessee went one for 16 from there uh, shooting from the field as Ooh. Kentucky kind of pulled away Ooh. in the first half. And that's – I mean, credit Tennessee because – Everybody being in foul trouble, shots not falling, Kentucky having a double-digit lead at Rupp, it would have been really easy to roll over and continue struggling and skidding like this team has uh, a little bit the last few weeks. For them to find an answer, obviously it's huge, but it's even bigger that they find an answer by changing things up and pushing the ball as much as they can push it, figuring out ways when the offense isn't working like it wasn't against Ole Miss, like it wasn't in the first half for most of the first half against Kentucky, finding a way to make it work. And I think making it work is, is driving the ball as hard as you can to the rim, uh, shooting threes, uh, not trying to make the extra pass, taking good shots when you have good good shooters open uh, and going from there. And I think it's a credit to them for finding this now in a tough situation, but it's a question of how consistently can they do it. Yeah, and I think before we go to break, I'll mention this too. Kentucky is not a very good defensive team. And Kentucky's guards, especially B.J. Boston, just had no chance in hell of containing Johnson and Springer off the bounce. He just – they were getting by him like he wasn't there uh, and some of the other Kentucky guards as well. But you know what? Most teams in the country don't have a lot of guys who can contain Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer off the bounce. There's a reason why, and people – and I I understand why, but people have been asking all season long how – how is Keon Johnson still considered a lottery pick? What what are we? Uh, everybody can see he's just a ridiculous athlete. I mean, the way he can change his flight plan midair, it just befuddles me. What, the kind of twitch that he has, it's just he glides. I mean, he it, it's even most guys in the NBA don't quite glide the way he does. It's it's really impressive. But you are what the stats say you are, and, and he just has not been a proficient scorer. Great defender shows ability um, but he's a reluctant shooter from the perimeter Um, you know it's just what is he really that good you saw at Kentucky why people keep keep considering him a lottery pick just watch that game and remember how young he is and then you see oh oh that's why that's why Um, I think we need to remember that Kentucky is not a very good defensive team but I don't think a lot of people have guys who can guard them I, I just you know, I, across the country, Baylor, great defensive team. Uh, Gonzaga, great defensive team. Michigan, really good defensive team. You know, you, you see other teams out there. Wisconsin, really good defensive team. Some teams maybe have some guys who could slow them down a little bit. I don't know that anybody has guys who can prevent those guys from putting the ball on the floor, going by them, and getting to the rim. I just, at the college level, I don't see a lot of resistance there. No, and if you stop Keon, you got to stop Jaden. If you stop Jaden, can you stop Eve? Can you stop Josiah? I mean, the athletic ability doesn't end there. I mean, there are guys that can get to the rim. Um, that's what that's what their strengths are, and Tennessee has to play to those strengths. So um, you would hope, if you're a Tennessee basketball fan, that they keep pushing and keep trying to do that because they've got to establish at some point 
some kind of consistency. They Georgia coming in on Wednesday, Georgia's playing better than it did early in the season, yeah. uh, or did I guess a couple of stretches during SEC play. But that's a team you should beat, and that's the team you should handle your business at home against. But we said the same thing against Ole Miss. We said the same thing against Alabama before we kind of knew what Alabama was. I mean, this team's going to have to develop some kind of consistency and a little bit of uh, you know what you're going to get night in and night out because you can't you can't be up and down like this you know, as the calendar turns to February and you get closer to March and, and everything starts to be live or die uh, one possession at a time in March. You've you got to know what you're going to get from these guys on a consistent basis, who's going to do what night in and night out and how they're going to play. Yeah, we got a lot more to discuss too because for, for all the – for all the things that went well for Tennessee in that that final eleven minutes or whatever it was at Rupp, there are still some some concerns uh, and some things that we're going to have to discuss. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those things in the second segment. We're going to talk about uh, the week ahead, what Tennessee's uh, sort of some changes in the schedule to this week, and what all that looks what that all looks like, and sort of you know look at look at the the two opponents on the schedule now. Talk about the postseason. Um, and a bunch of stuff. So, so don't go away. We're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and we'll be right back here on the Go Boss 24-7 podcast in just a second. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here late on a, on a pleasant Monday afternoon here in the beautiful East Tennessee mountain town of Knoxville. Got Grant Ramey coming to us from the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down in Maryville, talking mostly Tennessee basketball on this podcast edition We'll, we'll have certainly at least one, probably a couple more podcasts later in the week. There is some football coaching staff news coming down the pike. It's not going to be that long, uh, I, I believe, until this thing is kind of settled. Uh, we're certainly working feverishly on that. Other than recording this podcast and talking to Barnes today, we're, we're spending a lot of time working on that stuff. And when we have more news that's more concrete, we will bring that to you on this feed. We'll bring it to you at GoBalls247.com. So don't think that we're ignoring it. We're just, we know that news is coming soon, and we're going to bring that news to you when we have it. Before we get back into basketball, I'm going to ask y'all quickly if you could take a minute out of your time right now, and if you could just mash that subscribe button on this podcast, uh, that would help us a lot. Rate and review this podcast. That would help us a lot. You know, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, and we appreciate 
you're listening however you're listening. If you're listening through the site, uh, however you're listening, man, we just, we're, we're not going to complain. We love it. Um, but if you uh, could take a, a minute there on your computer, on your smartphone, on your tablet, and just hit that subscribe button, uh, that helps us a lot. And then rate and review this podcast. I see the numbers growing every week. They're really, really, it's, it's just been a really fun ride looking year over year, month over month, just the growth of this podcast. It, it's been awesome. And we're just getting started. Um, but if you could go in there and rate and review, that helps us spread this thing even more because we do it for free. We got no plans on Charger Ford anytime soon. We, we love doing this, but just please go. That's the one thing we're going to ask. Please, it will take you a shorter amount of time to do that than it took me to explain how important it is. So please go out there and do that. Grant, I, I was looking at, um, looking at a couple things because for everything that went well, especially for the freshman guards down the stretch there at Rupp and just the dominant performance they put in down the stretch, Keon Johnson, uh, understandably being named SEC Freshman of the Week. I don't know how many times a guy's been named SEC Freshman of the Week when he only played two games and one of them he missed the free throw that would have sent the game to overtime. That's That tells you probably everything you need to know about just how impressive he was Saturday night uh, up up on the frozen blue tundra of Lexington. So lot, lots and lots of fun things uh, going on there. But when you look at some numbers – and Rick Barnes mentioned this in the, in the you know earlier today, Grant. We talked about it in the first segment. He does not want to get away from just kind of playing the way that they play, which is riding the hot hand, which is playing inside out whenever possible. He he's not completely changing the blueprint of of Tennessee basketball. He he's not. But when I look at just how important John Fulkerson is to this team, and I look at the way things have gone lately. I th- Rick Barnes admitted he was a little bit concerned about this, and, and frankly, I think he should be. Uh, we, we don't know if Fulkerson – we know he had foul trouble at Lexington, right? We know that's the issue there. Uh, at least three of those four early fouls that he got were, were justifiable fouls. Uh, in my opinion, you could call them on every possession, but they're fouls. Uh, the fourth one was just a horrible call. That was not uh, That was not a block. He got run over. Bad call. Call it what it is. But I'm looking beyond that, and right now I'm looking at the past five games. In those five games, which is the past three weeks, John Fulkerson has scored double digits once, and it was 11 points against Kansas. I believe he's averaging about five or six points in the past three weeks, and that's per game. And I know that he's not a guy who is ever going to be a prolific shooter. I mean, he's only attempted more than 10, you know, 10 or more shots four times this entire season. He's not going to be a guy who puts up 15 shots in most games. But you look at these past few games, what he's attempted, three shots, eight shots, five shots, three shots. Um, that's a concern to me, Grant. I, I just I know that you, you, you love those guards. If they become the dominant scorers, so be it. Um, you know, Fulkerson's not necessarily a, a volume shooter anyway, but he's just got to be a double-digit scorer for this team. I, I, and I don't – I don't think you want to completely, you know, I don't think you want to overplay this, but it is a concern, isn't it? For sure it's a concern. And, I mean, to quote the venerable Mike Wilson in the second half at Kentucky when they put Fulkerson in, his response was, why? I think you're better without Fulkerson right now. The way they were running the floor, the way they were scoring, the way Fulkerson really had been a non-factor since the first four minutes when he picked up those first two fouls. He can't pick up those two fouls, even if they're justifiable, even if they're closing, yeah. even if they're calling the game extremely tight, like they were in the first 10, 15 minutes, I think Tennessee had 15 or 16 fouls at halftime. You can't, 
you're, you're a fifth-year senior. You've been here. You've done it. You can't get in foul trouble that quickly. You know your team is going to rely on you. You need to be productive. You can't do it. Um, it's going to be on John Fulkerson to produce because, like we said, he's experienced. He's been there. He's shown that he can go to Rupp and score 27 points and lead them back from down 17 against a good Kentucky team and win that game 25, 22, all the, the big numbers that he put up and down the stretch last year. Uh, it's going to be on him to be productive in the minutes that he gets. He's probably going to stay in the starting lineup. He's going to probably continue to get the minutes uh, that he averages, um, but it's going to be a question of is this team better with him on the floor or with him off the floor? If he can't be any more productive than he has been recently, if he can't stay out of foul trouble, um, if he can't help this team, uh, if this team's going to run the floor a lot, if he can't help them in transition, if he can't be productive there, I mean, it's up to him. It's up to him to define his role because, you know, what, there's five, six, seven games left. I don't know what the number is on schedule depending on how they treat the games that have been postponed. But he's running out of time to figure it out and to be a guy that can be productive. Uh, he can't get pushed around. He can't get leaned on in the post. Can't get out-muscled. Um, he's going to have to win with his quickness. And if they're going to play in the half court uh, to complement a transition game, it's going to have to be with a productive Fulke who moves around a lot. Uh, and who gets himself open and, and can make shots down low. I mean, that's going to be the guy that he has to be. He's going to be up to guy, be a guy that rebounds as well. I mean, it's going to be up to him to be productive and to carve out whatever role he's going to have on this team going forward. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you, you can play those murder ball lineups, um, and, and that's fine. You see this even at the NBA level, but you still need at least something resembling a, a presence on the block. You just you, you got to have it. And I don't know that they can consistently play – well on a game-to-game basis without getting him back to playing the way he's capable. I mean, let, the ship probably has sailed on him being the kind of scorer that he was at the end of last season, at least with this roster now. You know, next year you get a, an actual true pure point guard if Fulkerson comes back for, for another year, which I, I don't know why he wouldn't at this point. But if he wanted to come back, you know, maybe things change again without those two guards out there. Maybe Maybe he goes back to being more of a focal point offensively in some ways. But when they get bogged down in the half court, they they just they need him. And you look at the positions, you know, or look just look at the the plus minus numbers on, on an actual basis. I know some people aren't as big on plus minus numbers as I am. I think it's one of the most important stats in the game. I think it tells you how good is your team when you're on the floor. Uh, and and Tennessee, even when Fulkerson doesn't score, like in the first half of the Kentucky game, you know, he still was you know one of the best plus minus guys out there. He, he just was when in the time he was out there. It's really important that he's there. and that. But I asked Barnes point blank on Monday, I guess which is today as we're recording this, you know, Fulkerson's a guy who will slide back into the background if you let him. He, he will do that whole Homer Simpson back into the bushes thing. Uh, and that's just his personality. He cares more about his teammates than himself. He wants to win more than anything. I am i don't want to say worried, but I, it's on my radar that if these freshman guards are going to take over like this, will he get too comfortable and will he go back to being the way he was when Grant Williams was here and saying, and Schofield and saying, you know, I'm, I'm not the focal point here. I'm just going to try to get some rebounds and play some defense. I, I think he's got too much offensive skill to, to just to, to quit trying on that end. Yeah. To, I mean, to quote Rick Barnes from 2017 to 2019, they're going to need Fulke, uh, and Fulke can do more for them. I mean, I think that's still the case. He doesn't need to be your best player on the, on the, for this team to be at its best. But he's got to be – you're always going to have to have a guy that you can throw the ball down to and he can figure out a way to score a tough bucket. And they haven't had that for so long. Those guys at Kentucky were Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, 
who knows if they're going to be able to consistently do that. And if they can't, you're going to have to be a guy that can be reliable in a tough moment in the half court when everything else is struggling to be able to go and get you a bucket. I mean, he needed to do more of that at Ole Miss. He needed to do more of that at Florida. He needed to do, you know, go down the list of, the, of these frustrating losses they've had. Um, Missouri, there's there's games where he has to do more because this team needs somebody like him to be able to step up and do it. In the future, if Fulke comes back or not, Tennessee's got to figure out something at the big man, at the forward position. I mean, they got to recruit better at the forward position. Yeah. They're going to have to make a big-time impact on the transfer market at the forward position um, to match Kennedy Chandler, point guard next year. Obviously, that's a huge glaring issue. EJ Anasicki, like we said before, we didn't expect him to be Grant Williams, but we expected him to yeah. be more productive than he's been because he's been basically a non-factor yeah. for weeks hey, on end now. Hand, so. up, hand up, I didn't expect it. I mean, I, I didn't expect him to, to have this little of a presence. I expected no. more. So they got to figure that out for the future. For the right now, Fulke's got to figure it out to be the guy that can help them as much as he can help them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving up on Olivia Comeoff for his future either. I think we're, we're starting to see him little little fragments of him kind of emerging as a guy he can, can be. Can, can we talk about Olivier for a minute? Such a great little back down, little jump hook or whatever that was to score in the post. Such a great play. Yeah. And then he comes down, and I guess he's feeling himself, and he lets a twenty-footer fly for some reason. With I think there's plenty of time on the shot clock. I mean, you're 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 left open for a reason, Olivier. And he airballs it, and he gets pulled, and he walks down the Tennessee bench, and it looks like he's about to clear Rick Barnes and just go sit down. and And Rick stops him, brings him back, talks to him. I don't know if we saw Olivier again after that. I think that was about 15 minutes left in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Bless his heart. Yeah, he was that, feeling himself though. It was the kind of shot that you know, if you take that, if your foot, if you're anywhere within like three feet of the three point line, and you take a shot, like Rick Pitino would actually consider like a state ordered assassination, like Putin style, on you for taking that shot. He just he would rant and rant and rant about how it's the worst shot in basketball, and he's not wrong. It's the worst shot in basketball. It is statistically, you would be better off probably in some cases just heaving it from half court in some cases than you would be taking statistically from taking that shot. It's just, unless there's no time on the shot clock, it's, it's just a dumb, dumb shot. And you know, Hey, Olivier was, you wanted a little heat check, I guess. I don't know. I've seen worse things, but you know, it's just in the future. I think he's a guy you're starting to see, and he'll still be a sophomore again next season. There's enough ability there to do enough things that he's going to be helpful. What they really need though is, I think if they lose if they lose these two freshmen to the draft, depending on what happens going forward, they're really gonna have to maybe search the portal again for a big man, because somewhere, some way. I mean, we've seen the guy you know who who transferred to Kentucky last year. You know, we we we've seen these guys step in and do this. There will be guys, um, maybe like like an Anasiki who play at a at a smaller level, but they're just you know in the Ivy League some, somewhere, some somebody that's going to be like, okay, this guy can come in for a year or so. In the long run, you got to address it. you got to recruit better. There's some guys in 2022 and beyond they're looking at. We know that. That's just an area. As well as they've done to develop players, there's just no excuse for not having sort of more options inside, you know, because they've just – I don't want to call these guys misses yet, um, but they're definitely not hitting on enough of these guys. And, and you know, it's good to have long-term projects – because I think Calipari would help his, himself and his program if he did that. But, but you know, because he just gets all these one-and-dones. you got to have a couple of long-term guys. But, man, you just got to have an answer there. You just you have to. 
ground. Yeah, and, and the frustrating part is they've been so they've been so good at recruiting elite guards. I mean, Josiah James, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, yep. uh, Kennedy Chandler coming in next, Jemai Meshack, uh, a really good wing. Um, but they haven't been able, for whatever reason, to, to land that, that that big name forward. And, and yeah, I mean, call it what it is right now. Rose Plopsich and EJ Anasicki, they're not helping you at all. I mean, those are two scholarships you've you've used up the last two off seasons on big men. They're not helping you right now. So you got to fix that. You got to fix that going forward. That's the, that's the future. You know, obviously something you're going to have to address. And they're not going to be able to gamble on whoever they get if they do get a big man. Uh, out of the portal i mean they're gonna have to find somebody that they know is going to come in yeah. right away and help you i don't know if an olivier sar is out there they've already missed on oscar to he's headed to kentucky you're going to find that big man who you know can step in right away uh, and make a huge impact. yeah the west virginia guy would have been would have been big but uh that's that's just not how it goes grant a couple more things before we step out of here uh we do need to talk about the the schedule this week has changed it was not supposed to be georgia now it is georgia uh, a couple teams in the league have had some COVID issues, and so now Tennessee is playing Georgia on Wednesday night. And, and this is a Georgia team that I, I've I've seen them play probably – they're probably one of the three or four teams in the SEC that I've just not watched much, maybe a couple games here or there. And, and admittedly, one of them was part of the South Carolina game for them, and that was just a disaster. Um, but generally speaking, this is a team probably playing its best basketball of the season right now. Uh, won three consecutive games. Uh, you know, aside from the win over uh, Cincinnati, which was a good win for Georgia uh, early in the season, you know, the same team that Tennessee was sort of fortunate to beat, um, just not not a lot there in the, the preseason schedule. I mean, there were pre-conference schedule. You're talking about Florida A&M, North Georgia, Jacksonville, Montana, Samford, not Stanford, Samford, Northeastern, just not a lot. You know, you got to play who you can play at that point of the season with a COVID year. But then they go into SEC play and just go, I think, 0-4 in their first four games, you know, lose a decent one to State, lose a really close one to Georgia, uh, get just completely run out of the building by Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, then, you know, went out there, beat Ole Miss, beat Kentucky by one point, uh, played Georgia or Florida pretty well, then got hammered by South Carolina, which is just an ugly loss, uh, but then beat – Beat Georgia by ten points. Uh, went to beat, Aub- Ole, beat Ole Miss. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, beat Ole Miss. I should say they didn't beat themselves. Maybe they did in some games. Uh, they went beat Ole Miss, beat Auburn uh, at Auburn, which is an Auburn team that's really dangerous right now. Then held off Vanderbilt uh, for a win on Saturday at home. Uh, not not a great team uh, by any stretch, but a team playing better right now and a team that you know likes to push it in transition uh, it, when it can. Um, has some guards, little guys who can give you some problems. And, you know, this is a game, like you said, Grant, where, you know, Tennessee can't – they're not going to mix up defenses the way that Ole Miss did. So that, that's not, not to that degree. Um, but still a game where you just cannot assume anything. Because we said Vols are back, period, you know, last week. Now we're saying Vols are back, question mark. Uh, games like this matter. For sure, and I think it starts at guard play. Guards have given Tennessee trouble. Uh, if a team has a really good guard or a couple of them that can be productive in the backcourt, uh, those are the teams that, that that cause issues for Tennessee. So Tennessee's going to have to match guard play for guard play. They're going to have to get something out of Josiah and Jaden and Keon, um, similar production like they got against Kentucky. And if Georgia wants to run, Tennessee's going to have to run too uh, because we saw how effective they can be in transition. I think Georgia, you ran down the schedule, is a really good – encapsulation of just what the kind of the meat of the sec is it's impossible to try to figure out um from 
weekend games to midweek games, who's going to show up and who's going to do what. I mean, to get blown out by a really bad South Carolina team, uh, to beat Kentucky, to sweep Ole Miss like they have, to now split with Auburn. Uh, it's a really hard team to figure out, but at the same time, it's a team Tennessee. If they're going to be the team they have shown they can be, uh, they're going to have to start doing it consistently. They're going to have to start taking care of business in games just like this because you're entering the stretch run. It's time to get ready for March and try to figure out who you really are. And Wheeler's a, a little guy who's given Tennessee some issues before. You know, he's a, he's a he's a little guy, but he can he can really he can really play. You know, he, he's he's quick, uh, he's disruptive, um, he's a problem. You know, Kamara, uh, Tumani Kamara is a good player. Katie Johnson, you know, we'll see what's going on there. Andrew Garcia, they, they've got some solid players. They just, you know, let's be honest. Tennessee has more. Tennessee, this is a game. Tennessee needs to win. A win is a win. So if it's by one point, it's by one point. But, I mean, really this is a game Tennessee should be handling by double digits. We'll see if Tennessee's able to do that uh, because that sets up for Saturday before we step out, Grant. I know you got to run here. Um, you know, maybe literally. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to go out there and run like Forrest Gump. <laughs> but, uh, you know, LSU is a, is a team that can really, really bother you offensively. Man, they are really, really good offensively. Not as good defensively. Um, but a team that has given Tennessee some problems and a team that they're going to be playing an LSU team that's just fighting for its life right now for the postseason, uh, and that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I mean, this was a really tough stretch when, you, when you're when you going into the Kentucky game looking at Kentucky, Florida, who they're supposed to play, then LSU. Um, I think then it's uh, South Carolina maybe next week before getting Kentucky back on the schedule at home on the 20th, so. Um, sub in Georgia for Florida, maybe that helps you a little bit based on what Florida did to you last time. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to have something going into that LSU game. You can't come out against Georgia and fall on your face and expect to go to Baton Rouge, a place where you had not had success in a while, and have success against a team, a Georgia team that's, that's probably got the best guard, one of the best guards in the SEC, um, the freshman that's leading the conference in scoring, yeah, I think, right. or he's second. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. But anyway, to go face LSU and we'll wait on the road, that's going to be tough. Uh, and there's some tough games coming up on the schedule, and it's uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do with the schedule. I mean, Tennessee's had three games at this point postponed, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida. They have three possible openings on their schedule, February 23rd, 24th, March 2nd, March 3rd, or March 6th. So uh, if the league decides to try to reschedule those games, maybe they happen on those dates uh, leading into the SEC tournament. But uh, the schedule is is quickly running out on this team, so they're going to, have to figure some stuff out. Yeah, and Cam Thomas is the the is the LSU freshman go. who's really really good. But yeah, there's there, you go. there is there, there's a lot to discuss. But what it comes down to is this: uh, Tennessee just needs to win this game on on Wednesday. Uh, just needs to, you know, this Rick Barnes said it when he was asked about the postseason and all these other things, and you know the SEC tournament and what's going to be like with protocols for the NCAA tournament and all this. And he said, you know what, we've got people in the program and the department who worry about that. I'm just worried about Georgia right now. If I'm going to tell my players to just worry about today's practice, Tuesday's shoot-around or whatever, and then Georgia on Wednesday, that's what the, the coaches need to do as well. So we will see big one coming up on Wednesday. Tennessee needs to take care of business, and then uh, that will set up a really, really, really fun game, I think, down in Baton Rouge on Saturday against everyone's favorite, the American gangster himself, Will Wade. Uh, Grant, I know you got to run, buddy. I'm going to let you get out of here, and then we'll we'll play the music and leave. See ya. Thanks, buddy. And if I could find the music as, as, as we hear the, the beep for the Zoom ending. Hadn't had that one before. That's a new one. Welcome to, welcome to COVID land. It is what it is. 
Uh, I shouldn't say welcome to it. We've all been living in it for too long. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown, who we'll obviously have later in the week for football staff stuff. He is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can go get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get a lot of good stuff there. That page is updated pretty much all day, every day, every hour at least, sometimes multiple times an hour. Always tons of good stuff on our Facebook page. Um, But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water, just that Smoky Mountain goodness right from the tap. Go get that at GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Those guys are preseason ranked, you know, what, top 18 country in the country. Tony Vitale and those guys, four preseason All-America types. A lot, a lot of good stuff going on there. Also, Lady Vols coverage where Maria Cornelius, as always, does a fantastic job covering all things Lady Vols for us. we got two forums open all day long, the checkerboard Uh, for discussion of men's sports and the summit for discussion of women's sports. And both also have off-topic places. Uh, As long as it's not politics or religion, we're there to talk about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Digital water cooler full of people who care about Tennessee athletics and full of people who cover Tennessee athletics who are always around to answer your questions directly. It it is the written form of this podcast. It's a discussion on all things Tennessee down to the nitty-gritty details all of it there on govals247.com and you can get all that for the low low price of less than one mediocre lunch per month that's it less than one mediocre lunch per month and we've always got good good rates for uh, people trying out for seven days you know trying out for a month Uh, and most of the people who try it stick around for a reason i think we have a we think we have a really good product and and that's that's not as much about us as it is about y'all the subscribers you know y'all make it what it is and we really appreciate it and if you pay us the full price which is less than one mediocre lunch per month you get free access to cbs all access which in just about three or four weeks or so is going to become paramount plus uh, but that's still just free guys that's a 100 plus dollar annual value in your pocket for free every year that's everything in the cbs catalog every show ever made commercial free new movies in and out every single month uh brand new shows that you can only get on cbs all access slash paramount plus uh, you know live sports tennessee sports sec football sec basketball fall stuff ncaa tournament march madness uefa champions league pga tour nfl Guys, everything, plus stuff from the catalogs of MTV, BET, uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, all of that. Comedy Central, all of it, right there. Best deal you can get for basically nothing. Acting on basically nothing, for nothing. Until then, guys, you should hear from us by Thursday at the latest. Probably before that, we'll see. But until then, wash your freaking hands. You know, wear your freaking masks. Be freaking nice to each other. We'll get through this. We'll see you soon. Be good.